Lamentations is a book, uh, it's right after Jeremiah, if that'll help you find it, <laughs> if you're not used to it. Uh, it's not very many uh, chapters, uh, just five chapters. Four of the chapters are acrostic. What that means is that every verse in the Hebrew uh, begins with the, the next consecutive letter, like it would be for us, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. For them, the first letter is Aleph, and the second letter is Bath. And so as you read through the, those 22 verses, if you're reading in Hebrew, you'd have the next following Hebrew character starting uh, the uh, sentence. And so um, there's five chapters, and they all break down on 22 because there's 22 Hebrew characters, but only four of the chapters are acrostic. I think it's num number four that's not, uh, but that's not really in the, my purview tonight to look at. I want us to look at chapter 3. It's the longest chapter, 66 verses. And so you have three verses that would begin with Aleph, three verses that would begin with Bath, and so on down the line. I want you to look with me at verse number 21. Verse 21, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Hope's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. Boy, that's some great verse, great statements, wonderful things to read. What's all the context? Lamentations doesn't sound like a book of high rejoicing. It sounds like a book of moans and groans, and it is uh, for the main part. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was greatly abused by his own people. Uh, he would warn them that judgment was coming. And he even asked God, God, why are you using the Chaldeans to judge us? They're worse than we are. But they were Gentiles, and they, didn't have, they were not being held to the same standard that the Jews were because the Jews had what? The oracles of God, the prophets. And besides that, God can do whatever he wants to do. And so God used a people more wicked than the Jews to chastise them. The ten northern tribes had already gone into captivity about 120 years prior to uh, the Babylonian captivity for the two southern tribes. Uh, the ten northern tribes had, had been sold out to idolatry almost from day one. Uh, when the, the king set up, you know, Jehu set up the, the uh, idols and just different ones, Jehoram. And there's no good kings ever in the lineage of the kingdom of Israel, the ten northern uh, tribes. There are only eight good ones in uh, the southern tribes over the period of time that, that they existed. And so it's a sad time. It's a bad time. The Chaldeans are going to take over. Jeremiah's been preaching this. And he, he did it with a broken heart. He didn't do it and clap his hands and jump up and down like he was happy. He kept warning and warning and warning. And they would throw him uh, into the dungeon. They'd lock him up. Uh, they would do all kinds of things to him. Matter of fact, you remember he wrote one time. And uh, uh, Jehudi, I think, was the guy who took it and, and read it to the king. 
And while he was reading, he just took a pen knife and started cutting up the scroll and threw it into the fire. And some of the folks there pleaded with him not to do that, but they did anyway. And so what happened was that Jeremiah gave to his sidekick, so to speak, his manuus, I think is the word they use. He spoke to him and he wrote down all the same words and then some extra. And so God restored his word. So that's the, the situation that they're in. The Chaldeans have surra- surrounded the, the city. Uh, Zedekiah was told, if you'll just go out and surrender, they won't burn the city. But Zedekiah didn't believe it, so he snuck out in a, in a special spot through the wall, and they got caught and captured. And then the Chaldeans just ransacked the city. And so Lamentations is written about that ransacking of the city uh, the death all around, the people being killed. Uh, Jeremiah survived, and matter of fact, uh, the Chaldeans treated him very nicely, uh, very, very gracious to him. But let's look through and skim through chapter 3 just a little bit to kind of get some context for where we are in verse 21 through 24. We see affliction in verse 1 by the, the rod of God's wrath. I'm the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. I got led into darkness. In other words, a difficult time, a, a, a black wall. Just imagine yourself. You're in Jerusalem, and here comes marching the Chaldean army. You've heard how bloodthirsty they are, but you think, well, we can withstand them. We've got plenty of food. We've got plenty of brave men. We can withstand them. And then week after week, month after month, I think they uh, encircled Jerusalem two years or something. It's a pretty lengthy time. Day after day after day, the food gets less and less and less. And finally, they're facing the blackness that the unthinkable is going to happen. We're going to be conquered. We're going to be overrun. We're going to lose led into darkness. Verses 3 through 5, uh, it's, the writer says, God's against me. Uh, surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. There, he's just talking about how horrible the, the conditions were in the city. Verse number 6, he has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. Oh man, no hope in prayer. That's terrible. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He said, I'm enclosed, I'm restricted, I'm limited. Uh, I'm in dark places and prayers being diminished. I, this, that's not any reason to be happy. And when you read over in the earlier chapters, chapter 1 and chapter 2, you'll find Jeremiah talking about that his eyes running like rivers, just weeping uh, for the children of his people. Verse 10 through 13, he was unto me as a bear lying in wait, as a lion in secret places. I, I enjoy watching nature videos, especially lions. And it is amazing how that they can dip down into the grass and you can't see them. And they sneak up on their prey and, I mean, come springing out, you know, and and, uh, jump on them. Just to make deer are very able to to hide quite well. 
You can be looking at one, and it can just get down on its haunches, and you, oh, where are you? Where'd that thing go? But like a bear or like a lion, a deer is scared of me, but a bear and a lion are not. They're there to tear me up. When we went to uh, Montana with Guy and Wanda, Ouija and I went into some kind of a sporting goods type of a store there, and they had a wolf stuffed, you know, and they had a grizzly bear. I guess that thing was eight feet tall, and Ouija got in between its arms. And I'm telling you, the claws on that thing were at least that long. Can you imagine digging those things into you? And ripping your flesh. That's, that's what he's saying here. He said he's like a bear unto me. I'm trapped. I'm full of arrows. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was derision to all my people in their song all the day. He said, I'm trapped like a bear shot full of arrows, torn asunder. And now I'm the subject of public mockery. My own family. And remember they did. They ridiculed him. The Jewish people... I guess, hated him. Verse 14 through 18 talks about that. My teeth are broken as with gravel. Now, I've never tried to chew gravel. And I'm assuming that what this is is some kind of torture that was used. They would take someone and force rocks into their mouths and then either make them chew or else do it for them as a form of torture. We've, we've figured out lots of ways to torture people through the years. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. They took abrasive cloth, dampened it, and would hold somebody's nose. They'd have them on a rack all stretched out and hold their nose till their mouth popped open and start sticking that cloth in their mouth and pouring water in. And when you get a lot of water in your mouth, what do you do? You swallow. And they would swallow that cloth all the way down, and then they would jerk it out and rip their esophagus all to pieces. That was the Spanish Inquisition. That's supposed to be God's people, supposedly. We figured out all kinds of ways to torture folks. My teeth broken as with a gravel. So far from having peace, even forgetting that there is such a thing as prosperity, verse number 17, because God is against me, I have no hope. See it right there? Verse number 18, and I said my strength, my hope is perished. From the Lord. He's as low as he can get. Jerusalem being overthrown by the Chaldeans. Look in chapter 2 for just a minute. Chapter 2, verse number 5. The Lord was as an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all our palaces. He hath destroyed his strongholds and hath increased in the daughter of Judah. Mourning and lamentation. Uh, keep reading. And he hath violently taken away his tabernacle, as it were, of a garden. He hath destroyed his, his places of the assembly. The, the Lord hath caused a solemn feast and Sabbath to be forgotten in, in Zion. And he hath despised in the indignation of his anger the king and the priest. The Lord hath cast off his altar. He hath abhorred his sanctuary. He hath given up into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They made a noise in the house of the Lord, as in the day of a solemn feast. The Lord hath purposed to destroy the wall, the daughter of Zion. He hath stretched out a line. I'm, I'm telling you, Jeremiah is just laying it out. Verse 9, her gates are sunk into the ground. Verse 10, the elders of the daughter 
of Zion sit upon the ground and keep silence. And they've cast dust upon their heads and they've girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem hang down their heads to the ground. The people who ought to be the happiest and those who ought to be the ones guiding the city are just given up in despair. Total despair. What a place to be. Jeremiah knew that the judgment of the nation, that the nation was experiencing was just. Chapter 1, verse 18. The Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against His commandment. Here I pray you all people, and behold my sorrow, my virgins and my young men are gone into captivity. I called for my lovers. That, that's a reference to Israel being involved with idolatry with other nations. But they have deceived me. My priests and mine elders gave up the ghost in the city while they sought their meat to relieve their souls. Look in chapter 3. Back to chapter 3. Verse 19. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Everything that that made sense has been removed. It's almost like the ground's been pulled out from underneath him. I, I have a hard time making my mind go where I think Jeremiah is. He's at the place where he, he already said that the altar of God's been torn up. In other words, the way that they knew how to worship God had been destroyed. They, they are totally on new ground with where they are, but it's dark. It's bad. It's awful. Hope comes from God. It doesn't come from how strong the men are who are on the walls. It doesn't come from how strong the walls are. It doesn't come from how much resources you have piled up for many days. It doesn't come from wisdom. And it doesn't come from any other person than God. Read with me in verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore, have I hope. He just said, I don't have any hope. But then he stopped and he remembered, none of this changed God from who He is. Everything may be destroyed, but God remains the same. Look in, hold your place here and turn to Hebrews chapter 1 with me just a minute. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, everything you and I see. This universe as we know it, this earth as we know it, they shall perish, but thou remainest. They shall all wax old as doth a garment, And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Man, our God's great. This universe might wear out someday, and God take it and fold it up like a towel and put it on the shelf. But God will still be God. He won't be any different. Jeremiah, in the midst of all this anguish, in the midst of the pain, and and having to recognize they had brought all of that upon themselves by their rebellion against God. They worshiped false deities. They sacrificed their babies. 
They were involved in every kind of immorality that you can imagine. And they called that worship. And God said, I've had all I'm going to take. And he turned the Chaldeans loose on them. And Jeremiah, who was the weeping prophet, said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got some hope. I remember who God is, no matter how bad things are. Look down to verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever. You ever felt like God's done with you? Ever felt like that's it? I have sinned so bad or I've messed up so bad or I've made the wrong decision or something, whatever it might be, and and God's done with me. It's over. I'll, I'll never be useful to the Lord again. Then you read a verse like, The Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. Did you read that? God doesn't like doing that. That's what, the, that's what I'm reading. He doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. Well, let's get some practical things to hang on to. Though trouble seem to have no end, this I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It's of the Lord's mercies, not of me. It's not of my repentance. It's not even of my faith. It's just simply God. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. God could consume any one of us for our iniquity, for the sin we've committed since we've been saved, and he'd be just. What a gracious God we serve. Hey, his compassions never fail. All the altars torn up and the gates are torn down and the young men are being killed and the young women are being raped. I mean, it looks awful. Everything I've ever held on to and what's made society and, and my existence have some kind of normality, it's all gone, but God is still God. He hadn't changed. Well, not only does compassions never fail, they're new every morning. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Though the troubles seem to have no end, God's still on His throne. Though the circumstances seem impossible, God's still on His throne. Though the end or the culmination of what's about to take place is a dreadful thing to me, God's still on His throne. Though the worst men can imagine, and and then some, we can have hope. I remember, I remember, you remember the first time as a Christian you sinned, and you were all broke up over it? You wept, and you cried, and you prayed, and you wondered if God would ever speak to you again. And you got up one morning... There he was, waiting on you, ready to speak. Hallelujah, what a God we serve. 
We deserve worse than we get. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And sin passed upon all men for, because our daddy, Adam, sinned. Moses smote the rock instead of speaking to it. Numbers chapter 20, verses 10 and 11. He'd already smitten the rock once. That's a picture of Christ being smitten for us. And the Lord, the people are murmuring and complaining. And God said, just Moses, take your staff, take your rod, you and Aaron go out there and just speak to this rock, and I'll give them water. Moses came out and said, you bunch of rebels. Have we got to bring forth water out of this rock to satisfy you? And he took his rod and he smote the rock twice. God still gave them the water. But it cut Moses and Aaron off from being able to go into the promised land. Disobedience. We deserve worse than we get. I mean, look at that. It's me. I I don't blame you, Moses. Amen. Give it to them, preacher. (laughs) Let them have it. Amen. But God viewed it as wrong. It's the same thing that Adam and Eve did in the garden. They disobeyed. Let me read to you. As it is written... There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. You'd never find God if you went looking for Him. You wouldn't know how to find Him. God comes looking for us. Bless the Lord. They're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery in their ways and the way of peace have they not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We deserve worse than we get. But God doesn't willingly, God doesn't willingly crush men. It's a strange work. We dismiss sin so easily and lightly. Can I give you another one? Look in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. We're going to start in chapter 4. I'm having a good time. Chapter 4 and verse number 24. But all the people of the earth may know. That's, that's not right. That's a wrong verse. I just hold on a minute. I wrote down things wrong. Have you ever done that? Chapter 7. Look at chapter 7 with me just a minute. I'll figure out them other things later on. 
But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. Now you can back up to verse 24 in chapter 6. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her, her father's household and all that she had. We know that was the promise. But in chapter 7, the children of Israel committed a trespass. Verse number 4, so they went up thither of the people. They, they're going to Ai. They sent a small group, about 3,000 men up there. Said, we don't need to send everybody. It's a small city. We can whip them. And they went up there, but because there was sin in the camp, 36 men died. Jewish men. So 36 families were smitten by uh, this sin that was committed. Verse number 6, so Joshua rent his clothes, and Joshua rent his clothes, fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord. Until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan? And he begins to cry out about what had happened, what had taken place. Well, the problem was that Achan had seen some gold and some silver and found a Babylonian garment. And he thought, well, in this chaos, nobody will miss those things. And he got an eyeball on them and he took them to himself. Look in chapter 7, verse 19. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel. Make thy confession unto him and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I've sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they're hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Skip down to verse 24. And Joshua and all Israel... With him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire, after they had stoned them with stones." Ah, he, he broke God's law. You wouldn't feel that way if you was Achan's mama. You'd, you'd want something different. We dismiss sin so lightly. We don't view sin as being as bad as God does. And so Achan brought upon the nation of Israel judgment. 36 men died because of him. Remember when David numbered the nation of Israel when he wasn't supposed to? Seventy thousand men died because he numbered the nation of Israel. God views disobedience much differently than, than we. What do you think Achan's family thought? What do you, his family, all of his, his siblings or his uh, uh, kids died with him because of the sin he'd committed. Thank God for grace. Could God have done something like that to you because you coveted something that you didn't, that God wouldn't let you have them and you went and got it anyway? You ever bought something that you should have prayed about and you didn't? 
God had to get your attention somehow. Well, we don't get what we deserve. We, we deserve a lot worse. But we get better than we deserve. We don't get what we deserve. We get better than what we deserve. Hope, what a wondrous thing hope is. Remember, they're in that boat, Paul and all those folks in Acts chapter 27. They're out there in Eurachlodon. The wind's blowing, been going for two weeks. And they're just about, I mean, they're giving up. They've been throwing things out of the boat and doing everything they can to keep the boat from coming apart. They're scared out of their wits. And Paul steps out and says, uh, uh, you should have listened to me. And that wasn't a, I told you so. That was, listen to me now. I told you then, listen to what I'm saying now. And what he said was, I have hope. I, the angel of the Lord or the God whom I serve stood by me and said, and he said, if we'll do this, not a hair of your head shall fall. According to Titus chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, we have hope of eternal life. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. God can't do anything that would make him less than perfect. Chapter 5 in the, in the book of Ephesians. Let's see if I wrote this one down right. Excuse me, chapter 2. My eyeballs are getting crossed. Chapter 2 and verse 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you that were far off to them that were nigh. What a God we serve. Hope. Brother, I don't care how dark it gets if I can just get my hope where it ought to be. If I can be reminded... Jeremiah's in the midst of the worst situation you can possibly imagine. But he said, you know, we're like drunken men. We're, we're out of our minds. But wait a minute, I recall there's a God sitting on his throne. And this cannot shake his throne. Hope, though I'm a sinful man, God still takes note of me. I want to say something to you tonight. This is for every one of you. You matter to God. You matter to God. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, what abilities you have, what abilities you don't have. None of that matter. You matter to God. The babies in the nursery matter to God. The, the little children in the, the uh, Patch the Pirate Club, they matter to God. We matter to God. God's interested and concerned about us. The joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation... It, we anticipate it with pleasure, hope. Because of him, I'm not swallowed up. Back over in Ephesians again, chapter 2. 
And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. When in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God who is rich in his mercy. When it looked like you were going down for the count, God stepped in. I'm not forgotten. God's not about to forget me. In the book of, of uh, Hebrews, he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. But I got another one here for you. Psalm 103. If I didn't make a mistake when I wrote this one down. Psalm 103. Verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. I'm not swallowed up, even though I deserve to be. I'm not forgotten, though I deserve that too. And I can still be used of God. Turn to the book of Micah with me. You may have to hunt for it. None of us are as familiar with these minor prophets as much as we ought to be. It's right after Obadiah. That'll help you any right before Nahum. <laughs> Micah chapter 7, verse number 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall... I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Let me give you something else. Look over in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13. Acts 13, now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. If you remember John, his name's John Mark, he was Barnabas's nephew, and Barnabas took him with him on this missions journey, but when things got tough, uh, the young fellow wasn't ready for that, and so he left and went home. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take him with him who departed from, from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And you know what happens. There's a big squabble. Paul and Barnabas can't agree. And so Barnabas, the son of consolation, took John Mark, and off he went. Paul took Silas, and off he went. Now, that's still not the end of the story. Maybe you could get a picture in your mind of a race. You know how they have the lanes and you're running? 
And sometimes people stumble and fall. And uh, I watched one time where special needs kids, one, one fell, they all went back and picked up the one that fell and walked arm in arm across the finish line. I, that was great. But just imagine in that race, you got a young man who's running and he stumbles and he falls. It's a long race and the rest of them are gone and they don't even see him. He's not in their mind anymore. He fell out by the wayside. He probably just limping over somewhere to sit down and, and not ever going to do anything again. Let me read to you. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark. Bring him with thee, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. Barnabas's love, Barnabas's compassion, Barnabas's heart restored John Mark. And when the old soldier, Paul, is at the end of the trail, Titus, excuse me, Second Timothy's the last book he wrote because they take his head off. He said, bring that young guy. Bring that guy that left us. Bring that guy that caused the separation. He's, he's profitable. Because of him, I'm not swallowed up, though I deserve to be. Because of him, I'm not forgotten. And because of him, I can still be used of God. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, thank you. For your word, thank you for this text of scripture. Warm our souls with it, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.